You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We are in, our, again, our first week of our series, Hope is Born. And uh, really, for those of you that are here this morning and uh, you would consider yourself or identify yourself as a Christian, uh, really, Christmas is, is this, uh, it's this moment in where we believe that hope is born. And so we, uh, in about three weeks, four weeks, uh, we're going to have our Christmas uh, worship experience here, uh, December 23rd. It's going to be phenomenal. But, but this idea is, is for the next following weeks, two, three weeks, we're going to be looking at the story of Mary and Joseph and the struggle that it was for them to get to the place where Jesus was born in. And so our verse for this morning, uh, really for this, for this series, is, it's going to be found in Matthew chapter 16. I believe it will be on the screen. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So Jesus, he, he, he's asking his disciples, who do people say that I am? How do people, how do people see me? Like, how, how do people see me? Me. He goes on to say in verse 14, or excuse me, the, the disciples respond. Uh, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So when Jesus said, hey, how do people see me? His disciples said, well, they just see you as another prophet, as another man. They see you as another good idea. And then Jesus, he, he flips the script because he goes on and he says this. He then asked him, and this is verse 15, but who do you say that I am? In other words, I, I think Jesus is saying, how do you see me? Can I say this morning that the, the greatest answer that you will ever have to answer is that question, how do you see Jesus? Because how you see Jesus will determine what you're willing to go through for him. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject for all you note takers out there. There's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. Someone told me that's a movie. I didn't even know. <laughs> Let's pray one more time and we'll, we'll jump into it. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have to, to gather together as a community of, of, of people that are just trying to get it together, God. And, and so I pray right now, uh, Lord, within the next moments that you would just help uh, speak through me, that what you want to say, God, that it would fall on good ground. God, we want to leave here different. We want to leave here changed, even if it's just a little bit. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. God, we love you so much, in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone say amen. amen. Hey, I want to start off by saying that I am obsessively, desperately in love with my wife, okay? You make sure that when you see her afterwards, you tell her that. <laughs> Help a brother out. Um, I'm obsessively in love with my wife, and uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I actually like, had a crush on her since I was in uh, high school. 
Since I was in high school, I was like, I was secretly, desperately in love with her in high school. I know what you're thinking. Oh my gosh, he's crazy. It's, it's not like that at all. <laughs> I, but, but, but I was like, I, I just, there was something about her. And so I tell you that because every time, every day, literally, this is God honest truth. Every day I wake up, I feel so honored and so blessed to be married to her because it's literally like my dream come true, right? Like since high school. And so I, I'm letting you know this, not just because I want you to tell her that, but, <laughs> but also because, some, she, because she understands that. And sometimes she uses that to her advantage. <laughs> just not all the time, just sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes she, she, she reminds me of her worth to me. And uh, this actually happened uh, a couple days ago. Uh, my, my kids, like for those of you that have parents, the goal is to get your kids to bed. <laughs> and so we, we got our kids to bed early and my wife and I was like, baby, let's have some fun. Come on. And she's like, chill. She's like, she, she, she's like, yeah, let's have some fun. I was like, hey, she said, can you get us something to eat? <laughs> I said, Sure, right? And, and, and I was like, babe, what do you want to eat? She said, well, I would like some in and out Now, for those of you that have been here for any stretch of the time, you know that I love in and out burgers, but I don't love in and out lines, okay? And, and, and so the moment that she said that, I was like, no. And then I was like, oh, man, I remember how much she's worth to me, you know? Like, uh, if she would have asked me that when we were dating, before we were dating, I would have done it. And so... I was like, okay, I, I don't want to, but I'll go. Now, I also got to tell you this, that the night that she told, asked me to go, it was the night that it was pouring down rain. <laughs> and I, so I don't like rain. I don't like in and out lines. And she, and she asked me, and I was like, okay, babe. So I get my raincoat on. I'm mad at the world. And it's pouring. And, and I get in my car, and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. But then I just remembered how much she's worth to me. And, and so that got me to start the car and, and, I, and I was just driving and I just, I just kept thinking about, okay, she's worth it, she's worth it, she's worth it, she's worth it. <laughs> Kids are asleep, she's worth it, hey. Um, just kidding. And, um, and uh, so, so then I get to that place where you, you take a left to get into uh, to the drive-through line at In-N-Out and it was like a Krispy Kreme type of line. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Like, it was like around the corner. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't wait. This is, and I didn't, I didn't want to wait. I had no desire to wait. And then I was like, no, she's worth it. She's worth it. She's worth it. And so we finally, we get through uh, the, in, I get through the in and out line. I order the food. I order her, her what she wants. And uh, I pick it up. And the moment, it's funny, like, you can be so mad and you can be so anti-In-N-Out until you actually get it in your hand. And then you're like, oh, I love you, In-N-Out, right? And so, so I had the In-N-Out, and I just, I remember just thinking, okay, this is so awesome. I get to bring this to my wife. And I was thinking about that. I was, I was thinking about how the only reason why I was willing to go into the rain the only reason why I was willing to go through that long drive-through was because the worth that my wife had in my eyes. Okay, and so I was thinking about that, and that really lays the foundation of what the big idea is for this series. 
And it's this, if you're a note taker, if it's worth it, you'll work through it. If it's worth it, you will work through it. See, uh, if, if something is worth it to you, you will be willing to go through whatever in order to see it through because you're committed, because it has a high value in your life, because it's worth it to you. And so this idea of if it's worth it, then you can work through it. It's really the uh, model in which we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, go through in the story that we're about to read in Luke chapter 1. It's, it's this idea that Mary was, uh, she was so, she, 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 was, she, she knew what she was about to birth. And she was, she, the idea of what she was about to birth, it was so worth it to her that she was willing to go through what we're about to read. So let's check it out. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Verse 32. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. For his kingdom will never end. Let's pause. We got more to read there, but what, what I want you to see within this passage is here, here's Mary. She's doing whatever she's doing, and all of a sudden the angel Gabriel's like, and she's standing there. And the angel is, is telling her, like, hey, you're about, you're about to have a baby. You're about to give birth to literally the hope of the world, the Messiah. And I think it's very important to understand that when the angel was telling uh, Mary about this, the idea of a Messiah was not news to her. The idea that she was about to give birth to the Savior was not, she was not like, what is the Savior? Who is the Messiah? So you got to understand that from the time that Mary was young, because of her heritage, she would have always heard and learned and, and been taught about this idea that one day the Messiah will be coming. One day the hope of the world will be coming. And so Mary, when she received the news, you would have to believe that she was a bit excited. See, if I was Mary, okay, just get past the fact that I'm a guy. If I was Mary, I would have been like, are you serious? I, like, think about this. If you were Mary, this idea that you get to play part in perhaps the biggest, no, 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 the biggest thing in history. This idea that I was about to be part of 
of the birth of the Messiah. I was about to be part of the birth of the hope of the world. If I marry, I'm excited. If I marry, I, I just, I cannot wait. Uh, if I marry, I am just so pumped that I get to play a part in this story of birthing hope for generations to come. Now, I want to pause there and say, you, we, we may not be written to this story, but this idea that you and I get to play a role of showing people hope and being part of hope is still true today. See, you and I, we have this amazing ability, this amazing, amazing privilege and honor to show people Jesus, who is the hope of the world. And so, so here he is right here, uh, or excuse me, she, she, she's excited. You would, you would have to believe she's excited that, that she gets to take part in, in this amazing opportunity. And then all of a sudden, as it seems to always happen, Cloud nine, back to reality. Because she responds in, in, in verse 34, but how can this happen? I'm just a virgin. I'm only a virgin. I am a virgin. How, how can this be possible? How can, I, how can I be part of this amazing opportunity to, to give hope, to show hope when I'm just... I'm a virgin. And I think that this is such an interesting dilemma because I think that's so true in our lives. This idea that when we understand the role that we play of showing people the hope who is in Jesus this idea that reality typically sets in. This idea like when we're in church, we're fired up and then we leave church and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I'm back in the real world now. Does this even really work? See, because we could be excited in here, but how does it work when we get outside? See, if our faith is just works in here, there's really no point of coming. And being here. Because what God wants to do in us right here is so that we can make a difference out there. And so Mary, she has this, this epiphany, this, this downer of this idea like, wait a second. I'm excited that I could play a part, but I just don't know how this is possible. See, what we would have to understand the context of uh, the cultural context of this time, uh, if you were uh, to have a baby out of wedlock during this time period, you would have been looked upon as, mm, oh, she's that type of person. You would have had to understand the humiliation that, that Mary would have had to gone through in order to uh, in order for her to, to give birth to this baby. The humiliation of, ooh, she's not even married. If that's not bad enough, you have to think about how humiliating it would have been when people are like, so who's the daddy? Is it Joseph? 
Mm, no, it's God. <laughs> right? Like you, try, like you try that. Don't try that. Don't try that. But, and you, you think about like, you have to believe that she became the laughing stock of the town. This idea that I'm carrying a baby, I'm pregnant, but this baby is God's baby. Humiliation. You fast forward, Jesus, he's about 33, and uh, he's, uh, he, he's about his final hours on earth. He's about to finalize the hope in which he came for. But before he could ever finalize that hope, he first had to be humiliated. They beat him, they spit on him, they, they mocked him. And I was thinking about those two things, and, and, and I began to, uh, began to think that it seems to me that humiliation precedes hope. I'll say that again. Humiliation precedes hope. We see that with Mary, this idea that before she's ever able to birth hope, she has to go through something humiliating. Before Jesus could ever finalize his hope, he had to be humiliated. Could I say this, and, and this is something that I think we could all relate to. Before you and I could ever step out in faith to share the hope who is in Jesus, we have to be willing to get past the humiliation that comes with it. See, because I think humiliation precedes hope. Well, what do you mean humiliation? See, I think for a lot of us, this idea that we are able to show someone hope, we first have to be okay with letting someone know, hey, I believe in God. Wait, you believe in God? <laughs> right? Hey, do you want to come to church with me? Church? What do you go to church I am anti the establishment. Organized religion. You're stupid, right? Like, and I think for a lot of us, we're not willing to share the hope who, we, who is in Jesus because we're not willing to press through the humiliation. And so I wonder this morning if the reason that we are not able to, to step into humiliation so that we can share the hope is because we don't fully see who Jesus is. We don't fully understand who Jesus is. And so this morning, I want to let you know that in order to see Jesus in his fullness, you have to first understand that Jesus is faithful. I'll say that again. In order to see Jesus in his fullness... You first got to understand that Jesus is faithful. If you never understand that Jesus is faithful, then you'll never understand, then you'll never see him in his fullness. And if you never see him in his fullness, then you'll never believe that he is the hope of the world. And if you never believe that he's the hope of the world for you, then you'll never believe he's the hope of the world for anyone else. Listen, he is the hope of the world. 
He is the hope of the world. And so Jesus, for you note takers, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. But I think that in order for us to really understand Jesus' faithfulness, we really got to understand like a better definition of what that means when Jesus is faithful. See, because I think for a lot of us, myself included, when it comes to this, uh, this understanding that Jesus is faithful, we filter God's faithfulness through the lens of answered prayers. And so when we think about, see, even right now, like you're filtering, when I say Jesus is faithful, you're like, mm-hmm. I guess he's kind of. Because we filter it through answered prayers. So, so we, we, we filter Jesus' faithfulness, God's faithfulness, through the prayers that we pray, the, the ones that he answers, we put over there, the ones that he doesn't answer, we put over there, and, the, and then we step back and we examine. And for a lot of us, the definition and the idea of Jesus' faithfulness is caught up in how faithful he's been to you. And when you do that, you, you're, you're handicapping yourself. You're, 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 hand, you're, you're handcuffing your hands. When your definition of Jesus' faithfulness is based off of how faithful he's been to you and to me. Because all of a sudden, we're defining it based off of our own terms. Do you, do you get that? The God, the creator of the universe, we're defining his faithfulness based off of our terms. And do you see how maybe not smart that is? Listen, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And if you can't see him as faithful, then you'll never see him as your hope. You'll never see him as your full hope. You may think he's, he's okay hope, but if you never see him as faithful, you'll never see him as full hope. And if you never see him as full hope, then, then you'll never be willing to step into the humiliation that's necessary for that hope to be birth. See, I love Mary's response to this when, when, when she's like, I can't have a baby. I, I, I've, I'm a virgin. And, and I love what the angel does because it's, it's almost as if like the angel knew that Mary was slipping. It almost knew that, as, as it, it's almost as if the, the, the angel knew that, that, sh, that, that Mary was about to be like, yo, I'm not doing this. But he begins to encourage her. And then he says something in verse uh, 37. Uh, the angel says this. And I think this is, a, this is a, an important part. He says, for the word of God will never fail. And then instantly, whenever he said that, her response is this in 38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. May everything you have said about me come true. In other words, it's almost as if Mary was saying, whatever you say will come to pass. Why? Because you're faithful. 
Could it be that the way that Mary combated the humiliation that was necessary was by her understanding and realizing that Jesus is faithful? If you want to understand, if you want to see the fullness of who Jesus is, you got to first understand that he's faithful. And so we got to redefine what faithfulness looks like. So how do we do that? How, how do we redefine what that looks like? I think it, actually it's, it's what we read in our first story in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus, he asked the disciples, like, who do, who do you say that I am? Like, who do you? Not, not your friends, not your family, not... Not your husband, not your wife, not your girlfriend, not your... Like, who do you say that I am? And it's very interesting to me that when Peter responds, Peter doesn't say, well, when Jesus asked Peter, who, who do you think I am? It's, a, it's interesting that Peter doesn't say, well, you are the guy that took two fish and five loaves and, and you fed a multitude. Peter didn't say that. Peter didn't... When Jesus said, who do people say that I, I am? Peter... His response wasn't, uh, you're the guy that heals people. You're the guy that when the lady touched the robe, that she was bleeding like she was instantly healed. Uh, you're the person that, that when, uh, was that guy that he was blind and you spit, which is kind of weird, you put it on his eyes. Like that's, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter's response was not a response of what he can do. His response was who Jesus is. He said this. He said, you are Christ. You are God. I love this. I love this idea. That you are God. How do we define faithfulness? How do we find, how do we, how do we quantify Jesus' faithfulness in our life? Because for so long, myself included, Jesus, you're faithful because you do this. Jesus, you're faithful because you've healed me. Jesus, you're faithful because you've answered my prayers. That's not how we define Jesus' faithfulness. Jesus' faithfulness is defined not by what he's done, but by who he is. Jesus, you are faithful because of who you are. And when you could really define Jesus in that way, when you could really define, get to that place where you define Jesus in that way, then all of a sudden Jesus becomes faithful in any area that you go through. Any trial that you're going through, any sickness, when you understand who Jesus is, Jesus, you are faithful because of who you are. When I'm sick, you're faithful. Come on, when I can't pay my bills, you are faithful. When my marriage is not looking like what I thought it would look like, you are faithful. When my schooling is not working the way that I thought, you are faithful. 
because his faithfulness is not tied to how we define it and what he does for us, but it's who he is. He is faithful. And so he, here's why this is so important. And I'm closing, and, and then we're going to have a, an opportunity to just receive prayer if, if you're here and you need prayer. But here's why I think that this is so important. Specifically for the season that we're in, people are looking for hope. See, for as many people in here that are excited about the holidays and excited about Christmas, there are a handful of people here, may, maybe even more, who are like, I hate this time of year. I can't stand this time of year. This is a depressing time of year. And so this is an opportunity. This is a season where people are looking for hope. And people are looking at for hope in so many different ways. People look for hope in, in addictions and alcohol and hookups. And they're trying everything, man. And it's working for a little bit. It's working for that first high. It's working for that first hookup. It's, it's working. But here's the problem is that that hope, it's not sustainable. And so you're, you're trying it. They're trying it. And, and, and they're looking for this hope. And they're wanting hope. And they're, and they're turning to these different, different things. But they're realizing that it's not sustainable. And here's why this message is so important. It's because there's people, maybe even in here, but clearly there's people outside of these four walls who are looking for hope and they're waiting for someone to offer them hope. They're waiting for someone to say, hey, I got a friend named Jesus and uh, whatever you're going through, he's bigger than that. Well, how do you know that? Because he's faithful. How do you know he's faithful? Because in my life because I understand the fullness there are people out there waiting and looking for people who are willing to birth hope by going through the humiliation of stepping out on a ledge and saying hey I see Jesus so full I understand who he is so much that I'm willing to share this hope I've found that I'm looking for that has helped me. Listen, tis the season for hope. But we have the hope in Jesus. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.